Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from PNC Park in Pittsburgh. It's the Indians 2, the Pirates 1. The Indians salvage the last game of the series and uh, sneak away with a win. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And it was a tough weekend for Indians baseball, I'm not going to lie. I heard a conversation on local sports talk radio as I was driving home yesterday, and they were saying how they, they couldn't even watch this series, right? They couldn't get up for this series. They... They just weren't feeling it against the Pirates, the worst team in baseball. And uh, again, a woe is me. Oh, the Indians are done for like, you know, kind of speech. And I'm thinking to myself like, man, you are just, that's just the wrong attitude to take. Like we talk about it all the time on this show. Baseball is a pastime, right? Which means you just, you throw it on in the background, right? You've, you've got the radio blaring while you're cutting the grass or something like that, while you're cooking dinner. Like it, it doesn't have to be an active part of your day. It can be a passive part of your day because it's a pastime. And uh, I mean, who cares that we're playing the Pirates? The Pirates have interesting players. You should be interested in this series. Adam Frazier, Key Brian Hayes, Brian Reynolds, the, they're interesting players on this team. Yes, you have a bunch of Cleveland Indians rejects also on this team. Ben Gamble. Uh, I wouldn't call Eric Gonzalez an Indians reject, but he's definitely someone we chose to move on from. And uh, despite being in Pittsburgh for a few years, Eric Gonzalez has not really clicked over there. Um, For example, he was playing first base yesterday. So uh, clearly uh, not at his normal shortstop position. But JT Brubaker is definitely something worth keeping your eye on. Uh, and he pitched fantastic against us. So, uh, yeah, I I don't get this attitude. I could tell I could tell by the downloads, by the plays of the podcast, that people weren't interested in this pirate series. And so they missed out on some things. They missed out on one of the great one of the great comeback attempts in Indians history, right? Like it would have been a huge story if they had finished that comeback on Friday night. They didn't. For those of us that watched, it was still exciting, but it did not become the great storyline we thought it was going to become. And uh, yeah, uh, Harold Ramirez got the flash power. He had three home runs in the last two days, so that's fun. Uh, and then yeah, we got to see we got to see what Pittsburgh has up its sleeve. Now, will Pittsburgh actually build around these guys, or will Pittsburgh? Uh, you know, use these guys to further build their their prospects, right? To further build their farm system, to you know, rack up more draft picks. You know, try to they're picking first this year. Will they continue to? I don't know. Adam Fraser's twenty nine years old, so he is not a uh, he's not a young player, but he's been in the Pittsburgh system his whole career. So. Uh, I mean, 29 years old, you still have a lot of productive years there as a second baseman. He was a sixth-round pick of the Pirates uh, in the 2013 draft. So he's been around for a while, um, but he is a contact guy that gets a ton of hits. His expected batting average is in the 90th percentile. His K percentage is in the 98th percentile. Whiff percentage in the 98th percentile. You are not 
striking this guy out a lot. We couldn't get him yesterday. Um, but then his uh, his barrel percentage is in the two percentile. His average exit velocity is in the fifth percentile. Hard hit is fourth percentile. Slugging is twenty fourth percentile. So yeah, so uh, this is a definition of like a light hitting contact second baseman. But it's working. He sprays the ball all over the field. There are singles littered all over the field. Doubles to both sides. Doubles in the gaps. Uh, when he does go for a home run or a triple, it has been uh, to his pull side. He's a left-handed hitter. But yeah, he is hitting 322. It's it's his best season by far. By far. He hit 301 as a rookie in 66 games. And then he's been in the 270 range. And so yeah, up at 322, his OPS of 839 is the best of his career. So he's having a career year. Will they trade him? Will they use that? Will they use the career year to then go trade him and go load up on prospects? Um, Key Brian Hayes is definitely someone that you would expect them to build around. Uh, how young is Brian Reynolds? Key Brian Hayes is a young player, was in Rookie of the Year, or did he win Rookie of the Year conversations? And uh, yeah, Brian Reynolds is 26, so another guy that you could potentially build around. He was a second-round pick of the San Francisco Giants. Uh, he's been here for three seasons, all with Pittsburgh. And yeah, uh, last year was a disaster for him. He hit 189 last year. Woof. Uh, but his rookie year, he hit 314 with an 880 OPS. Right now, he's hitting 299 with a 922 OPS. So between Frazier, Key Brian Hayes, and Brian Reynolds, there's some things worth watching on Pittsburgh. Now, they clearly don't have the pitching to match up with it. Two of their starters this weekend got their first wins of the season, I believe, against Cleveland. Now, Brubaker uh, was doing a little better. Um, Brubaker's record on the season now is 4-6. and six. So, he was 4-5 and five going into the game. Took the loss yesterday. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, maybe he's someone who gets traded at the deadline. There's a lot of players that I'm going to I can see... Uh, being picked, being plucked off this Pirates team at the trade deadline. So let's get into the storylines of this game. And again, it's pitching. Again, it's all pitching. Henches and Brubaker were in a decent battle there. Henches' final line on the day, five innings pitch, only two hits, no runs, only one walk, four strikeouts on 57 pitches. If this game is not a National League game because he gets lifted for pinch hitter Yu Chang. If this is not a National League game, I'm guessing Henches maybe gets another inning or gets to start the sixth inning. It was a really good start from Henches. And then Brubaker on the other side goes six and two-thirds, gives up only three hits, but two, home, two earned runs, no walks, nine strikeouts, but gives up one home run to Harold Ramirez. And that would prove costly. I mean, those three hits would prove costly because the Indians' offense doesn't really have much else to show for it. So how is Brubaker doing it? How is he dominating us? Well, he was doing it with his slider. Man, JT Brubaker throws a good slider. 21 swings on his slider, 11 whiffs for Indians hitters. 14 whiffs overall for Indians hitters against Brubaker. He had a CSW on the slider of 52%, had a CSW overall 
Remember, CSW was calm strikes plus whiffs. Very simple, but a good indication of how off balance the pitchers were keeping the hitters that day. And a 43% CSW is really good. That is an elite level day. Uh, anything over 30 is proving to be pretty good. And then anything over 40 is proving to be elite on the day. So that probably puts him at the top of starting pitchers on the day for CSW. So yeah, that's how he was doing it. Henches was not having the same luck. He was pitching to contact a little more. Uh, the four-seam fastball was doing okay for him. He had two whiffs, six called strikes, a 29% CSW on that pitch. The slider was doing better, and the slider is definitely Henches' go-to pitch. He had three whiffs on that and four called strikes, good for a 35% CSW. He also threw the curveball a couple times, nine times, so it's good for a 30% CSW on the day, which is fair, which is fair. It's a good start. Um, going over to the illustrator and just looking at the whiffs, I mean, the Indians pitching staff only had 14 whiffs on the day, and JT Brubaker had 13 alone. Austin Davis added two more for them. And looking at the illustrator, yeah, you can see all these sliders that he's pounding in on our left-handed hitters away from our right-handed hitters. He was pounding that slider down and into the lefties uh, through a couple of fastballs and one changeup away that got or to the left side of the plate, I should say, from the catcher's view that got a, got a whiff. Uh, and then for Sam Henches, yeah, it was the breaking ball too. Uh, it was three sliders, two curveballs, all down, keeping it down in the zone, getting those whiffs on, and then a couple of high fastballs he was able to get whiffs on. So uh, keeping it out of the zone, though, for those whiffs. They weren't whiffing on anything in the zone. Uh, I can tell you that much. For the Indians, they were. There were a couple that were pounding that bottom right corner of the strike zone that they were whiffing on. Looking at their pitches overall and where they were locating their pitches overall, I like what Henches is doing here. There is still a little bit of a pattern to it. He does have that. uh, It reminds me of Justin Masterson, only from the other side, where there is definitely sort of a three-quarters path to all his pitches. Like you could draw a diagonal from the top right corner of the strike zone to the bottom left corner of the strike zone that kind of follows the path of his pitches. Before, it's been very drastic, and I think it's made him pretty easy to hit before. Uh, This case, he's throwing the slider to both sides of the plate, which is really good. Really good being able... He doesn't have another pitch, like a changeup or anything that comes off that slider that breaks in opposite directions that would keep the hitter off balance. So being able to throw the slider and the curveball to both sides of the plate, I think is really going to help Henches keep batters off balance. Because they got to be prepared for him to drop one on that right edge and then bury one down at their feet. Because uh, you know he's going to face a lot of right-handed batters. And the same thing with the fastball. He was throwing the fastball in. He was throwing the fastball out. He was throwing it up, down. He was really using all four quadrants of the strike zone yesterday. And that's probably what helped him keep these Pittsburgh Pirates batters off balance so much. He wasn't, you know, wasn't racking up a ton of strikeouts. He had uh, four strikeouts on the day, which is fair. Four strikeouts in five innings. That's fair. That's fair. It's, it's good. Uh, but he that was limiting the hits. He was inducing weak contact and limiting the hits. So that is really good to see. He only gave up, let's see how many hard hit balls, five hard hit balls. Same thing with JT Brubaker, only five hard hit balls. So 
That's really good. That is really good to see. Uh, the average exit velocity off his slider was 72.8. The average exit velocity off his curve was 83. The average off his fastball was 90.5. So keeping those averages down, that's pretty good. That's pretty good to see. So that's our first storyline there, the pitching. And uh, Henches wouldn't get the win, though, um, because we wouldn't add that last run until the uh, until the seventh inning. So uh, Maiton actually gets a blown save and the win, one of those crazy situations where he let the game get tied in the sixth. Even though he strikes out the side in the sixth, Maiton uh, lets them tie the game. And then uh, we add another run in the seventh and are able to take the lead. So he gets the good old blown save win situation here. And uh, it was just singles. It was just singles and strikeouts for Maiden in that sixth inning. He strikes out Brubaker to start, right? Gets the pitcher. Uh, Adam Fraser singles. Key Brian Hayes singles. Strikes out Brian Reynolds. But Jacob Stallings is able to come up with the big single uh, to bring in that run, to bring in Adam Frazier, and then he strikes out Philip Evans to end that threat. So he strikes out the side, but gives up three singles. So you'll have that, but the Indians answer right back. Uh, so let's get into the other storyline, which is the offense, and we can sum it up really quick because it only happens in three innings. In the fifth inning, Harold Ramirez with the home run that really pissed off JT Brubaker. I still think the announcers are confused at what Brubaker was talking about with home plate umpire. Um, but he throws one way down and away to Harold Ramirez that he basically throws the bat at and fouls off. And then the next pitch is a high and tight fastball. And Harold Ramirez has some of the fastest hands in baseball. Hits it 104.3 mile per hour exit velocity. 408 feet into the seats in left field. A big home run to get the Indians on the board when Brubaker was cruising. I mean, he was striking out a ton of dudes. He actually ran into some trouble in this fifth inning. Um, Eddie Rosario lined out at 104.6 miles per hour, and then Josh Naylor would single at 110.2 miles per hour. So he gave up three really hard-hit balls in a row there. Luckily, he's able to strike out LeVarne away. The strikeout definitely was working for him yesterday, and then gets Ernie Clement to fly out to end that threat. So, the Indians put one across. They have the lead. Like I said, they tie it in the sixth, and then Eddie Rosario just misses a home run in the seventh inning. He doubles high off the big wall in right field, and then uh, after a Harold Ramirez ground out, Josh Naylor would single. He would beat the shift and single through the right side, and it would bring Eddie Rosario in to score. And that was absolutely huge. LaVarnaway would walk, but unfortunately Clement would line out. I didn't expect a batting average of 520, but it goes as a line out to end that threat. Uh, so yeah, so the Indians offense, that's it. That is absolutely it. Uh, Bobby Bradley would walk in the ninth, but then the next three hitters would all get out behind him. I mean, that's that's literally the entire offense in the whole game. The Indians had four hits. The Pirates had six spread out over those nine innings. So, I mean, w- there's no storylines there. There's no there's no deep analysis. Uh, both of these batting, uh, both of these lineups got absolutely dominated by pitching yesterday. That's, that's the storyline. And uh, luckily, luckily, the Indians came up with two big hits, a, a home run, 
from Harold Ramirez and a double from Eddie Rosario with one out. And they were able to luckily bring Eddie Rosario around to score. Um, Cause there's plenty of days where Eddie Rosario was stranded out there at, uh, at second base. That double off the wall, by the way, had an expecting batting average of 0.040. It only went 352 feet. That's how that can't, I cannot. I mean, yes, it went 352 feet because it hit a wall that's 352 feet away from home plate. I got, he smoked that one. I got to imagine at Progressive Field, that's at least off the wall if it's not a home run. I, I did not realize Pittsburgh had such a short fence in right field. But yeah, that had an expected batting average of 0-4-0. That's crazy. Um, and remember, expected batting average is based on the parks and everything like that. So yes, it's a double in Pittsburgh, but in other ballparks that have a deeper right field, maybe that's a fly out. That's what they're saying there. So he's lucky he hit it in Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, so I'm. that's the entire Indians offense. And with Her- with Jose Ramirez out, the, events, the offense has really sputtered the last few days, right? I mean, yesterday they scored three runs on six hits, and today it's two runs on four hits. Not huge offensive explosions. And, I mean, those were all solo home runs yesterday. So the offense is really really struggling without Jose. I did not think he would... I mean, it could be coincidence, right? It could totally be coincidence. I did not think he would have that big of an impact being out on the offense because we've seen things like the bottom of the lineup get hot and stuff like that. You never know where offense is going to come from on any given day. And there have been plenty of days where Jose Ramirez has been quiet and they still scored runs. Now, he is our best hitter by far. By far, he's our best hitter. So it makes sense, him not being in the lineup, that the offense would be sputtering. So he did pinch hit in the ninth inning. It's a good sign that, I mean, mean, it's a good sign he could at least get a cleat on, right? He could at least get a shoe on and stand up there and, uh, you know, and twist and turn on that. And uh, he eventually popped out. But, hey, he at least, you know, took a hack at it and got out there. So that's a good, you know, sign to see. They weren't too worried about him running the bases. So maybe we'll see. Does he DH, you know, a couple of days so he can stay off his feet and, you know, dunk it in an ice bucket when he's not up to bat? Um, We'll see. We'll see if he gets that chance in against the Cubs or do they do they rest him another couple days, maybe keep him as a pinch hitter, knowing that they do have an off day coming up on Wednesday, right? Their last off day before the All-Star break. So Maybe look to get him back healthy and feeling great for that Minnesota series. A series that I would say means a lot more, but Minnesota is so far buried in the standings right now that I'm not sure it does. All right, our last storyline is home versus away. Now, we have seen plenty of teams this year really struggle on the road. And I'm talking about you, Arizona, and I'm talking about you, Baltimore, which are both on ongoing road losing streaks. Arizona has now set the record for Major League Baseball road losing streak, I think at 23 games, 22, 23 games. And Baltimore is right behind them at, I believe, 18 games after we swept them in Cleveland. So uh, it is uh, it is definitely something that is going around the league right now where teams are struggling on the road. Now, is that affecting the Cleveland Indians? Obviously, we just sweep Baltimore at home, and we lose two out of three to the Pirates at PNC Park. So I wanted to check in and see if this was affecting the Cleveland Indians as much. And 
not as much. It is a little bit. They're 20 and 13 at home. They're 19 and 17 on the road. So they still are an above 500 team on the road. So it's not drastic. In fact, it's more drastic for the Chicago White Sox, who clearly have played more home games than us. They're 27 and 12 at home. They're 16 and 17 on the road. The White Sox, who just got beat up by Houston, by the way, they're on a four-game losing streak, and uh, we actually gained a game on them yesterday. So we're two and a half back in the division. They're 16 and 17 on the road. They have a below 500 winning percentage on the road. So do the Royals, so do the Twins, and so do the Tigers. We are the only team in the American League Central with an above 500 record on the road. So that's pretty, that's actually, I'm kind of impressed by that now. Uh, as opposed to the uh, the American League East, where they all have above 500 records on the road, except for the Baltimore. And uh, how about the West? How's the West doing? Astros are above 500. Oakland is killing it, 19 and 11 on the road. And that's it for them. So uh, the other three teams are below 500 on the road. So yeah, the Indians are actually hanging in there. Now, what do the splits say? home and on the road. Well, to be honest, they're about even. Home batting average, 230. Away batting average, 227. Home OPS, 689. Away OPS is actually higher, 691. Why? Because they're hitting more home runs on the road. They've hit 47 home runs away from progressive field, only 35 at progressive field. Uh, so they're definitely slugging. Now, they've played more games, right? They've played three more games, so that's a lot more at-bats in three more games, uh, almost uh, less than 200, maybe 160 or so more at-bats on the road. Uh, so, yeah, they are definitely uh, hitting the ball more on the road. Uh, let's take a look at, ooh, bat bat. Let's take a look at batting average balls in play. They're having more luck at progressive field. They're 271 bat bat. They're at a 266 bat bat on the road. So having a little more luck up to bat at home. All right, what about this pitching staff, right? Is pitching maybe the difference home and away? No, it's it's pretty much the same. Their ERA is a little bit better at home. It's 399 as opposed to a road ERA of 433. However, their uh, their whip is similar. 1 1.259 walks, hits per inning pitch whip at home. 1.259 1.301 on the road. Their strikeout to walk ratio is better at home. Uh, uh, so obviously they've, they pitch more innings on the road, so we can't look at the total numbers. But the, the ratio, the strikeout to walk, they're averaging 2.85 strikeouts for every walk at home. They're averaging 2.5 strikeouts to every walk on the road. So a little bit better. A little bit better. Um, yeah, so... Uh, there you go. Uh, looking at what they're doing against the opposing offense, the opposing offense is hitting 232 against Indians pitching in progressive field. They're only hitting 229 away from progressive field, and they have identical OPSs. 706 OPS against Indian pitching, whether it's home or on the road. So there you go. Things are pretty even for the Indians, whether they're playing home and away. Uh, Pittsburgh just got them. Pittsburgh just got to them. Uh, you know, for two games in this series, it it happens. It happens in baseball. Pittsburgh has to win 
They're going to win 60 or so games, and two of them are going to be against us now. That's just the way it is. That's the way baseball goes. Uh, MVP for the day, I'm going with Henches. Sam Henches on this one. Again, final line of the day, five innings pitch, only two hits, no earned runs, one walk, four strikeouts. Really cutting down on those walks is great to see. He was pretty solid out there, pretty dominant. And you got solid starting pitching from all three of your young guys this weekend in, in against the Pirates. Yes, Mejia got blown up in the first inning, but he hung in there. And he actually settled down and pitched well, I think, through five innings. Uh, yesterday, Quantrill, he was solid. Uh, and then Henches today was really good. It was really good for the Indians. It wasn't as dominant. You know, Brew Baker was more dominant, but he gave up the two runs and takes the and you know takes the loss. So uh, Henches did what he had to do to win yesterday. So yeah, Henches, you get MVP for the day for proving that you can go out there and be a starter in Major League Baseball. These guys are starters. Start saying it. Start getting used to the word Henches, Mejia, Quantrill. These are our starters right now. I'm sorry, they are. Savali is on the mound to start the Cubs series against Alzale, and then it's going to be Eli Morgan coming back again against Kyle, against Kyle Hendricks on Tuesday. So a short series against the Cubs, and then they have not announced anything for the Minnesota series on Thursday. Yeah, these are your starters right now. This is your starting rotation. Your starting rotation is Savali, Mejia, Quantrill, Henches, and Eli Morgan. Get used to it. It's what we signed up for, right? We went into this season with three, what, third-year players in Bieber, Plesak, and Savali, or Plesak, Savali. Yeah, this would be their third season because they came up in 2019. Uh, I guess, is Bieber been here since 2018? Um, so, yeah, these are that's what you went in with, three guys and two rookies. You went in with McKenzie and Logan Allen, knowing that you could swap them out if it wasn't working, Four Henches, four Quantrill, four Mejia, four Morgan, and that's what you ended up doing. Did you expect four rookies to be in your rotation? No, you didn't, but that is your rotation. They are your starting pitchers. It's not like they're going to turn around and let Klasse and Karachek start a game, right? It's not. That's not happening. It's not going to be Phil Maton. It's not going to be... Uh, it's actually not going to be Trevor Steffen, even though Trevor Steffen has started before. I Believe me, I think Trevor Steffen is perfect exactly where he is in the bullpen. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be Whitgren, right? Your starters are your starters. You know who they are. So get used to saying that is your new starting rotation. No matter what Hamilton and Underwood and Manning and Rosenhaus and Andre not say about it, those are your starters. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. I hope the, those of you that tuned into this Pittsburgh series got a little bit of enjoyment out of it. Um, it's always interesting playing Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I can't remember which set of announcers were talking. I think it was the radio guys were talking about how, obviously, when we're playing Pittsburgh in football, it is, you know, the rivalry of all rivalries. Uh, and it is hatred between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. And then when you play them in baseball, it's like, hey, how you doing, neighbor? Good to see you. You mind if we bring a couple thousand people from Cleveland to come watch the game in your ballpark? No, come on in. Have a hot dog. It's so, it's so different. It's so relaxed when we play them in baseball. Uh, so it's always interesting to see what is going on, you know, 
across the state line there in Western PA when it comes to baseball. So, all right, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>